This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 138 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have the final part of the fourth branch of the Mabinogi, the tales of Welsh mythology. This is the story of Clue and his wife of flowers, Blood Awed. But before that, I want to give a very big welcome to any new and returning listeners. If this is your first time listening, why don't you head back to the story of Pulk, Prince of David, which was the first story we did from Welsh mythology and see what we've been building up to in this latest chapter. And then if you like that, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, episode one, nearly three years ago now, and see what we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside so far. And as always, if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to check out my poetry or see any other work that I'm doing. This week I am still in rehearsals or I'm in tech rehearsals for a live stream I'm doing of uh, the Gilbert and Sullivan Light Opera, the Mikado, which is going to be live streamed from the National Concert Hall this Thursday, the 26th of November. Or November of August, I beg your pardon, which will be the day after this episode comes out. So tomorrow, if you're listening to it, the day it comes out, it's going to be live streamed from that. Uh, but if you're not on social media, you can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you have any thoughts or queries or want to answer any, any questions I put out. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so, as always, by joining Headstuff Plus over at headstuffpodcast.com. The link is in the description, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material for not just Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network, and plenty there are of those. There'll be a brand new episode out there for you this month and every month after that. There's no hard sell on that, but thank you so much to each of you who are still supporting on Headstuff Plus. And we've got a new supporter this week, which is Anne McAvoy. Thank you so much. She joins Timothy Stevens, wasn't it? Yeah, Timothy Stevens as this month's latest supporters of Headstuff Plus. But to get down to the story for this evening, as it is, as it's the evening time that I'm recording this, is a late night podcast which always feels appropriate as I know a lot of people do listen to Fireside in Bed, listen to it going to sleep, so it seems quite especially appropriate for me to be recording it right now. I will just, sorry, I had a little, is it diffuser that they are called? I always forget, like, it can confuse between a diffuser and 
it's a thing that makes makes my room smell nice but it is a gentle war in the background so i will turn it off so here we come to the conclusion of the four branches of the mabinagi which are as i've said before they are many they're a collection of four tales that are bound in two ways they are bound in that all four of them feature in either a major or sometimes an extremely minor way uh, Prideri, son of Polk, Prince of David, though he is born in the first branch and he dies in the fourth branch. He died in our first episode, exploring the fourth branch. But other than that, the only way we have we can identify these four branches of the Mabinagi and know that they were intended to be collected together is that each of them begins and ends with and so and so ends the first, the second, the third, and the fourth portion of the Mabinagi. There's a several other tales, about seven or eight other tales for us still to explore from the Mabinagion and from the collection of Welsh mythology as a whole. But this will be the end of these four branches, these subset and these four major tales. And it is a good conclusion. I do very much think so. This branch has been particularly heavy and dark and complex, which I haven't wanted to shy away from. And I hope it's still been engaging for you as listeners as an audience please do as always let me know your thoughts and what you think of this direction and what these questions make you think and feel are these stories make you think and feel i always love hearing from each and every one of you we will of course chat more afterwards but this is the story of clue and blood Awed on fireside <laughs> Clue and Bloodaywerth. Clue Clog Guffus was lord over the Cantref of Ardudi. He had been cursed by his mother Aranrod to never marry a creature born of the race of Earth. So his uncle Gwydion and his granduncle Math, son of Mathonoi, had taken the flowers of the oak and the flowers of the broom and the flowers of the meadow sweet and together they had conjured a woman, more beautiful than any born, because of course she had not been born, but made. The girl was named Bloodaywet, and herself and Clue Claw Guffus were immediately married. It seemed the final curse of Aranrod had been avoided. It seemed that way. But once Clue Claw Guffus went to visit Math, son of Mathonoi, in Gwyneth, Bloodawed was left in Ardudi to maintain rule. Bloodawed woke the next morning to the sound of a hunting horn. She looked out over the cantref and saw an injured stag pursued by a pack of hounds, and following them was a rider on horseback. Who is that? Bladewed asked one of her courtiers. Lady, they began, that is Gronu Pubber, Lord of Pentlin. As Bladewed watched the hounds catch and kill the stag, the rider dismounted, took out his knife, and began to skim the spoils. The lady of Ardudi said, It would be disrespectful for us to not offer hospitality to this lord. So an invite was extended to Gronu Pubber, an invite which was gladly accepted. 
When Blood Awed and this hunter lord first met face to face, they immediately fell deeply in lust with one another, and they didn't waste time about it. They slept with each other that night. The next morning, Granu attempted to leave, and Blood Awed said, You will not leave me yet. And Granu stayed another night. On the third morning, the lovers decided that they could not be apart again. So Gronu said, When your husband comes back home, you must find out how I can kill him. Then, and only then, can we be together. Reluctantly, Bladewed allowed Gronu to leave Ardudi as she awaited the return of her husband, Clue Claw Guffis. When the Lord returned home, he found his wife distracted and sad. What is the matter, my love? he asked. Oh, Lord, she began, I am distracted with the thoughts of how I would ever live if you were to die before me. You needn't worry about that, said Clue, for unless I am killed by God, it would be very difficult to kill me. That is a relief. But tell me, my lord, how could you be killed? You know my memory is stronger than yours. I should like to know, so it can be avoided at all costs. Gladly, I will tell you, my love. And Clue Claw Guffus began to tell the absurdly specific method in which he may be killed. The weapon that can slay me would have to be worked on for an entire year and it could only be worked on while folk were at mass on Sundays. I cannot be killed on horseback or on foot. I can neither be killed indoors nor outdoors. Then how, Lord? interrupted Blood Awed. Solve this riddle for me. How may you be killed? I can only be killed in a bath on a riverbank with a roof built over it, and a billy goat must be brought, and if I sit in that tub with one foot resting on the edge of the bath and the other on the back of the billy goat, if I am struck with a spear in that exact position, that is how I may be killed. Bladewed masked her devious excitement as a sigh of relief. Oh Lord, thank goodness for that. That seems like an immensely avoidable death. That night, Blood Awed sent word to her lover, Granu Pubber, to begin work on the spear. An entire year later, she sent word to construct a bath on the nearby riverbank and to thatch a roof over it. The next morning, Blood Awed went to her husband and said, my lord, will you please come with me to the riverbank so that I may see exactly how you may be killed, for my own peace of mind, so that we can forever avoid it? And the naive and smitten husband said, For you, my love, I gladly will. So Clue Claw Guffis and Blood Awed went to the riverbank, where the thatch roofed bathtub was waiting. Clue took off his clothes hopped in the bath and began to bathe. Then the billy goat was produced, and Clue demonstrated the pose of one foot on the edge of the tub 
and the other on the billy goat's back. Granu Pubber was ready on a nearby hill. He launched the spear at Clue, and the spear penetrated the lord of Arduddy's side. But instead of killing him, Clue Claw Guffus let out a cry, flew into the air, and transformed into a hawk. The hawk screeched and flew out of sight. Granu Pubber wasted no time. He moved into the castle with Bladewed that day and he seized control of the entire Cantrev, making him lord of both Penclean and Arduddy. Meanwhile, back at Gwyneth, Gwydion mourned for the disappearance of his nephew, Clue Claw Guffus. He felt especially responsible for the entire ordeal, as he had partially created the wife who had betrayed his nephew. So Gwydion set out to find Clue. He searched all over the island of the mighty, eventually coming to rest in the home of a poor farmer. Gwydion learned from a swineherd that every morning when the pig pen was opened, the sow would sprint off to root and feed on a very specific hill. Gwydion's instinct and cunning came into play. He asked the swineherd, May I come with you in the morning and, and follow this sow? Sure enough, the following morning, the swineherd woke Gwydion before dawn and brought him to the pig pen. Once opened, the sow was the first out and ran off. Gwydion followed. The pig came to a field and began to feed. Gwydion noticed she was feeding on maggots and on rotting flesh. He then looked up into a tree and saw the maggots and rotting flesh were falling from the wings of a hawk sitting on the top branch. Gwydion knew immediately. This hawk was his nephew, Clue Claw Guffus. By singing songs and reciting poems, Gwydion coaxed the hawk down from the tree branch by branch until the bird rested in his hand. Then Gwydion took his magic wand and transformed the bird back into human form. And no one has ever seen a human being wasted away as Clue was. He had been reduced to skin and bone. Gwydion quickly carried his nephew back to Gwyneth and nursed him back to full health. A year later, when Clue Claw Guffus's strength had returned, he went to his granduncle Math, son of Mathonoy, and asked, Lord, it is time I sought retribution for the wrong done to me. Vengeance is what you shall have, replied Math, son of Mathonoy, and an army was prepared. When Bloodaweth heard that her husband Clue was returning, and more at the head of an army, she gathered her closest handmaidens and fled from Arduddy. Together they came to a river, where all of them drowned except for Bloodaweth herself. It was here Clue caught up to her, and husband said to wife, My wife, I will not kill you. I will instead give you a worse punishment. 
I will turn you into a bird for all eternity. A bird so dreadful it will never show its face during the daytime. And it will be hated by all other birds. And this will be your punishment. And Blood Awed was turned into an owl, the most hated of all birds. This being long before the days of three-foot seagulls, of course. And Blood Awed is still a word for owl in the Welsh language today. Finally, the army of Math and Clu easily defeated that of Gronnu Pubber, and Clu said, I will not be satisfied until Gronnu stands in the same riverbank as I did, and lets me stand on the hill where he did, and he allows me to throw a spear at him as he did to me. Gronnu asked his men, Will any of you accept this spear in my stead? They all refused, and this is considered one of the three great disloyalties. So Gronu Paber was forced to accept his own fate. The next morning, Gronu stood where he had built the bath for Clewclog office. He saw a great stone on the ground, and he said to his attacker, Lord, I ask you this one favor. Might I put this stone between you and I as some defense? I will not refuse you that, said Clue. The stone was stood, and Clue Claw Guffis prepared. He launched the spear, and it burst straight through the stone and through Gronu Pubber's sternum. It shattered his spine, and the Lord of Penclean was killed. And that shattered stone still stands on that riverbank today. Vengeance won. Clue Claw Guffis re-established rule over Arduddy, and it is said that he eventually inherited the lands of Gwyneth too. And so ends the fourth branch of the Mabinogi. But the tales of the Mabinogion are to be continued. <laughs> Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Hello, Joe Rooney here. Back in 2015, I recorded my first Potter Rooney. And since then, I've been chatting to people that I meet throughout my travels here and there all over the world, including Sean Locke, Mary Coughlin, Frank Kelly, Joanne McAnally, Owen Colgan, Shazia Mertza, Aidan Gillen and Kautia Reardon. But loads of people you'd never heard of who have very interesting tales to tell, including the sadly no longer with us Boston-based comedian Barry Crimmins, who led a crusade against images of child abuse on the internet. Tracy Carroll, whose daughter Willow has the highest grade of cerebral palsy. Drahda Homeless Aid. Christine Volset, a Norwegian singer-documentary maker who ended up hanging out with the young lads in their city Dublin and riding bareback on a horse through the city streets. All these very interesting tales to tell, and all you have to do is skip the first six minutes of me talking rubbish. That's 
Potteroni. And there we have the final part of the fourth branch of the Mabinogion, the story of Clue and Bladewed on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. This this is a great, really self-contained tale of treachery and betrayal and disloyalty, but painted in a very specific and original way, unlike stories that we've encountered on this podcast before that have dealt with similar themes of sordid love affairs and forbidden love and treachery and betrayal. So let's just go through it, shall we? So before, in our last episode, which was the story of the curses of Aranrod, Aranrod, who was an immensely wronged woman and we explored the very discomforting subtext of of Bladewid, um, or of Aranrod, in that Aranrod is brought to Math, son of Mathonoi, to replace uh, Goywin as his new footmaiden. Math insists on constantly resting his feet on the feet on the lap of a virgin, and so he asks Aranrod to prove that she is a virgin by stepping over his magic wand, and I do mean that quite literally. But when she does, a baby is born to her, and a baby falls on the ground beneath her, and she runs out of the the hall in disgrace and embarrassment, not knowing what has happened, because as far as she was concerned, she was a virgin. And on her way out, another child drops from her, a child that is incubated and kept in a bed at the end, uh, is kept in a chest at the end of the bed of Gwydion, the nephew of Math, son of Mathonoi. And the subtext that is hinted at and assumed, there's theories by scholars of Welsh mythology and of the Mabinogion, is that Gwydion, who is the brother of Aranrod and who ends up raising this child that he keeps in the chest, a child that will be Clue, Claw, Guffus, the hero of our tale here, that he was the father, that he was the incestuous father of these children. Delon was the first one, and Clue, Claw, Guffus was the second. And so eventually when he raises Clue, and uh, who and who he raises without a name, and brings him to his mother, Aranrod, and over a course of these three trials, he ends up getting the child the name, he ends up arming the child and he ends up finding the child love. All things that Aranrod tried to prevent from happening because she felt so disgraced and wronged by her brother and by Math, her uncle, that she could not embrace her own child as her own. And so Clue has been made this this incredible victim and symptom of the horrendous way he is rumored to have come into the world. And so now he just wants love. And Gwydion and his granduncle Math create him a love, create him a loophole in his mother's curse by creating him a woman out of flowers, a woman more beautiful than any born because she was made and not born. And, of course, he goes off on her and Bladewed falls in love with another man, a man who then plots to kill Clue Claw Guffis in this incredibly specific way because, for the most part, these are all portrayed as mortal heroes and, naturally, mortal heroes always have a certain amount of superhero nature to them and they are nearly always impervious and wear a certain amount of 
plot armor for the sake of things. But Claw Guffis is portrayed almost godlike in that there is this absurdly specific way. This reminds me an awful lot of the death of Cucullan, of how specific the circumstances of Cucullan's death had to be and how hard he was to kill. That reminds me immensely of this. And there is there is no context given to that of why Clue isn't just a mortal man. It seems that it's just because it is of this great line and they live in this world of enchantment and near lands like uh, Anoven where Polch went and ruled for a year and Rhiannon came from. Rhiannon was certainly from a more Tua de Danon, uh, Tirna Nog kind of area. But Clue Guffis fall obviously falls into some kind of enchantment and godlike status because of this outrageous way in which he can only be killed. And even when all of those extents are gone to and this spear is thrown at him, he still isn't killed by it. He turns into a hawk, which just makes us think of Sweeney, of King Sweeney at the the battle against Ronan Finn where he is turned into where he turns himself into a bird and flies off and flies off in disgrace and has to be pursued by his by his brother Lynchikon. And it is Gwydion, it is the uncle slash father, supposed father of of uh Claw Guffis, who to be fair, throughout the, the two, these two stories, Gwydion adores the son and and goes to great lengths for him, which I suppose is one of the bigger defences into him being his son instead of his uncle, because of these these great lengths and perhaps this immense guilt of this incestuous nature that that the child has come into that he doesn't want to punish the child for, as Aranrod was compelled to. And we have Gwydion finding Clue in the tree with the sow. Again, another aspect that isn't really explained as to how he just knows to find it, but he comes across this grotesque, incredible image of rotting flesh and maggots falling from this bird, and presumably from this this spear wound that was still in Clue when he was turned into the bird and flew away so it is almost like he is a zombified corpse he is undead but because of this enchantment he is kept alive in bird form and he is reduced to skin and bone when he is turned back into human form and takes another entire year to be reborn and to be made fully human again at which point of course he goes out and he seeks his retribution and his vengeance and then it is the story of Clue's vendetta against his wife and and the wronged uh, and it is his story as the wronged husband going to take revenge and Bloodwed Bloodwed takes her handmaidens and they all drown and she is turned into an owl now I looked up now the Welsh words for owl like literally don't seem to be Bloodwed it seems that they have like very typical names like we do but uh in the story, in the texts, which, like, bear in mind, these texts are from the 12th, 13th century, it says that uh, Bladewed is still the word for owl today. So again, if there are any Welsh folks out there, I'd be very interested to hear, Does this is this a well-known folktale around animal lore, as we have so many of those in Ireland, 
and I'd be very interested to encounter blood awed as a term for owl because I think that is incredible that this woman who was born of flowers that was born of things that blossom in the daytime that then the curse that she is given is to be this creature of the night very interesting comparison and parallel here between Irish folklore and Welsh mythology is this bizarre hatred of the owl I have always traditionally been of the opinion and perhaps this is reinforced by things like Owl and Winnie the Pooh and maybe Owl and Winnie the Pooh was a character created this new stereotype. Well, Owl is more long-winded than necessarily wise, but there is something wise about owls as they're portrayed in, in children's media, I think, for the most part. But that must be quite a recent thing because in Irish folklore, the owl is incredibly hated as well. And I can't truly ascertain why. The story why they are in Irish folklore is to do with the wren and the king of all birds. That uh, the wren, to become king of all birds, there was this great race. I've spoken about this, in Nori, uh, this story a number of times over the podcast. The, all the birds in the world held a council to see which of them was the greatest and which one of them was going to become the new king. They all had this great race where they all flew up as high and high as possible. The winner was the wren because the wren hid in the back of the eagle. And as the eagle was at the highest point it could fly, the wren flew that little bit higher and was declared the king of all birds. The next part of that story, which is lesser known, is the birds weren't satisfied with that. So they had a test to see who could bury the furthest into the earth which the wren was very easily able to do and it was the owl who was tasked with trying to uproot the wren and the owl couldn't do that and because of that the owl was cursed to be always the most hated of all birds so very interesting for two very different reasons that this seemingly innocuous bird that isn't particularly hunted uh, or like harmful to humans historically when you compare it to some of the more scavenging birds of prey that it is so hated but then again you have that with with the likes of the raven and with the blackbird and all of these birds that have their 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 defenders and their attackers and all surrounding superstitions and folk customs and folk belief and it is just very interesting that the story for that in wales is wrapped into this story of a failed love between a man and his wife of flowers and then finally we end with the death of of the lord of Penclean of Granu uh, Granu Pubber who is killed in the same manner just wants to be stabbed with the spear but erects this stone between now this was a dish a, a line I, I took out from it that uh, I didn't like where uh, the reason Granu asks math or asks clue to put the stone between him is because he's there due to the treachery of a woman. So he says, you know, it's not really my fault that I'm here. I mean, it was because of your, like, temptress of a wife. So because of that, can you do me a favor and let me put a massive rock between us so that you might not kill me? Which is obviously just horrendously sexist anyway and just didn't even make for better storytelling, even if it made Granu seem like more of a villain. So it seemed so arbitrary anyway, and especially when the rock is just there to make it more of a landmark because this, like like so often in myths as well that are very rooted to specific countries and places, this rock, this split stone is supposed to still be there at the spot where Granu Pubber was meant to have died.
And that is what we have come down to. We have completed the four branches of the Mabinagi, which is really, really exciting. Uh, so how do we do it? We did it for three, four tales, four long tales, to be fair, that we did over the course of about 10 episodes. So we did three tales for the first branch, two tales for the second branch, one tale for the third branch. Still the most proud of getting an entire branch into the one tale, and that's still probably my favorite one, which is the story of Mana Wudon. And then three tales for the fourth branch, which was heavy and complex and featured some pretty dark and unforgivable characters. And I'd be interested for folks who catch up on this podcast and who'll be listening to those three episodes, these last three episodes in a row, because you'll get the full context of... Because if you listen to this week by week, the breath might be good for accepting Gwydion and math on fresh terms with each week. Whereas it would be particularly interesting, it's it's interesting reading this as just one go, reading these stories. And I imagine it would be interesting listening to them all in one go, having a full sense of the complexity and the irredeemable qualities of some of these characters and how that affects how we listen and empathize to them and care about their stories. So as always, do let me know how you what you think and what any of these, if anything, made you feel. I always like to hear from all of you. And with that, I will wrap things up. So thank you so much for listening. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to get in touch. Uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Uh, join Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. Link is in the description. Next week, if you can imagine it, we are continuing the Mabinagi and we are continuing the stories of Welsh mythology, but we have a story about King Arthur. King Arthur, Arthur Pendragon, who does have some of his earliest sources in literary texts within the remits of the Mabinagi. And I'm very excited to adapt it and I'm very excited to share it. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.